you know, dates, though tedious and ultimately kind of expensive, give me a really good... Wait, wait, under- did you pay? Yeah, everybody goes stag now. What? Everybody goes stag. What world On a am first I date in? with a with a stranger, stag. Wow. Stag. Do they hold the door for you still? I will say I, I went on a I went on a couple of dates with one guy in the Bay Area. I won't say his name, but that was a gentleman. He fought me. Like it was like practically arm wrestling for the check every single time. That okay. was it. That's old school though. Yeah, he was he was a I don't know, pretty good choice. Anyway, uh, I digress. This is another episode of On the Line. I'm back, baby. This is Christina Kay. And I'm Joe Mullings to have this uh, beautiful ship balanced now with my partner in crime, Christina Kay. We were uh, out in the Bay Area last week mm-hmm. cranking out some really cool stuff with some super high-tech firms. Yeah, and, and if you're new to our show, uh, this is a podcast about careers and new trajectories for them, new frontiers, and particularly in the tech industry and, and where you could map your career and advice we can give you to get the most out of it. So maybe last week you were wondering, wait a minute, how is this about careers? And so this week we're here to, to bring it home and talk about predictive health, but specifically uh, predictive analytics is just a huge uh, new frontier for all industry and certainly all careers. Uh, we're going to just talk about about a couple of ways that people might not understand it, be a little bit afraid of it, and could actually incorporate it into their their lives. Yeah, and you, and you called it a new frontier. I would say it's a new frontier in a more formal sense, but we've been using predictive analytics uh, since the beginning of time. Right. Right. So predictive analytics basically takes um, a bunch of data that you have as a reference point from the past, decide if that data is worthwhile and worth sort of scouring, amalgamating, putting in a category, and then trying to predict the future. And we use it all the time now, right? So some of the places. Well, I think people are afraid of of things like um, you are talking about a snack you really like, and then you go onto Facebook and there's an ad for the snack. And to a certain extent, that is an amalgamation of new tech advances, but partly it's predictive analytics. Oh, you like this? Then you would want to see this ad. And this ad maps to your buying behavior. Um, So on Amazon, we see that on Amazon, right? right? Or if you Google something and suddenly it shows up in your sidebar on Facebook. Right. Right. So that's predictive analytics. They're trying to forecast your buying behavior and influence you to do something. Yeah. And I personally find it a little bit insidious, though it hasn't stopped me from shopping on Amazon. Shame on me. But I think there's a lot of ways that you're actually already using it. That's positive. Uh, I hadn't thought of it, but Text messaging, whenever you have word prediction on, you have data analytics activated. Basically, it's predicting the most common word to go after this one, most generated or most used by everybody, all text users. So mm-hmm. uh, that kind of shared information makes your texting easier, especially if you're doing it illegally while driving and <laughs> you really need to know the next word because you should be watching the road. Um, don't do that, please. Last but. <laughs> Yeah, but last week we were in the Bay Area, and yeah. there was a client of ours mm-hmm. uh, called Potrero mm-hmm. Medical, and they are using a predictive analytics in healthcare mm-hmm. moving forward. And, and, and that's the focus of our organization is stuff in the med tech industry, life sciences industry that's not quite here yet or mm-hmm. being used by the public, uh, but is that far-reaching Star Trek um, Dr. Bones uh, figuring out what's wrong with you before it's wrong with you. Right. And that's what Potrero does. 
Yeah, so so their system, the Acuron system, which you can hear Joe Urban, their CEO, talk on the previous podcast. I encourage you to listen to that if you're curious. Basically, the Acuron system automated uh, the reading of a vital sign and then realized, well, in the automation of this, we can actually generate a lot of data. And through that data, we can improve patient care. And that's, I think, and you're seeing that kind of stuff everywhere. I mean, your Apple is incorporating that into the Apple Watch system because it's a it's taking all kind of vital signs from you all the time. Fitbit does that. I mean, any any wearable tech is probably generating some kind of data analytics on you and and hopefully to your benefit. I think that there's a real potential here to uh, predict c- catastrophic outcomes in your personal health that you then can prevent. And I think that's huge. Yeah. So it's staying ahead of it. And, and, I, and I shared that story with you all on where where does this come in use and how we're using it today. And you, and you give a great one here. So for those, check out the Apple Heart study. Um, and I think the NIH just gave uh, uh, money and funding to uh, 1 million volunteers mm-hmm. uh, who were willing to give their data off of their uh, personal device, uh, an Apple Watch. And what we're going to do is we're going to gather all that data and we're going to then take that data and then map it back to the individual and have the capacity to forecast uh, in the future for other human mm-hmm. beings what's going to likely happen to you based upon a series of vital signs that we can track and map uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of put together algorithms that then those algorithms, we teach the machine how to think based on data. It's this simple. We teach a machine how to think based on data. And then what it could do, it can predict what's going to happen in the future. Right. Right. And, and prevent it. You know, I think my dad's been on beta blockers for four and a half decades. Maybe if I wore a wearable tech, I could prevent either the dependency on beta blockers or the catastrophic event that would lead to the need and dependency on beta blockers. I mean, I, I'm a prime candidate. Of course, I don't have any of these devices yet, but I did talk yesterday about buying a Fitbit. I think I, I think I need it. And our Alexa's on its way in here. So, so, so here's what's interesting, especially now and more than ever. Until the 20th century, mm-hmm. a majority of death occurred because of infectious diseases, right? So cancer was around and heart disease was around. It's just that we didn't live long enough to die from that. Right. So people are saying, oh, more people are dying of cancer today. More people are dying of heart disease today. Granted, some of it could be environmental for sure, uh, you know, an influence on it. But more so is we've we've eliminated the death by infectious disease. So what does that mean for medicine moving forward? Historically, medicine and health care has been used in order to mend sick people. Mm-hmm. That's really where the focus has been. Now we're seeing it. We are using medicine and health care to upgrade healthy people. Mm-hmm. And that is really the Apple Watch, right? Or the Fitbit, right? or these consumer devices. So now suddenly it becomes super important for us to predict what's going to happen to healthy people based on vital signs or outcomes that are either in their DNA, um, welcome 23andMe, mm-hmm. right? So people giggled at that company being built. Oh, what a cute thing. Who wants to find out where they are in their ancestry? Peeps, that was really used in order for us to accumulate this massive database of DNA that eventually will be used to forecast future health issues. Right. Right. So that's all in predictive health. So now what we're going to do moving forward is we're going to take healthy human beings 
And, and like I mentioned, my example to you was my 12-year-old boy, Quinn, 13 now, he's a teenager, right? Quinny, so so I, I have um, congestive heart failure, right? Mine was, they think, through a virus, probably not genetically. Doesn't mean that it's true. It just means they don't have the genetic test yet, mm -hmm. right? It could have been genetic. So what is going to happen in the next two or three years is my 13-year-old is going to have somebody potentially come to me and say, concierge service, Joe, we have this service. For $10,000 a year, we're going to put a patch on your boy, Quinn. And what it's going to do, it's going to track his respiration rate, his heart rate, um, his O2, and maybe some other vitals. He'll put it on once a month. It's a disposable, you toss it away. And as long as he's within reach of his mobile phone, he's got a CPU processor right there. We're gonna capture all that data, we're gonna shoot it up to a cloud. At 13, at 15, at 19, at 21, we're gonna establish baselines. And on those baselines, we're gonna be able to see an outlier behavior on that heart rate. And if and when something happens, we're gonna say, whoa, hold on a second, Quinn, why don't you get in and see your doc? We see something that doesn't feel good there. Now what we can do is we can stay ahead of it, God forbid, mm -hmm. right? But also, without playing defense, Quinny is a high-end hockey player, and maybe he'll go to college. Now he'll have an onboard computer showing his performance during a hockey game, mm -hmm. during his training, for interval training. So beside playing defense, we are now going to upgrade performance on a healthy patient as well. And all of this is done with predictive analytics. I will say there is a cautionary tale about predictive analytics that I, I always think about. And I, the Quinn story, it just really reinforced it is the op opposite side of that coin is the movie Gattaca, where predictive analytics becomes a barrier to entry into certain things. So I do think it's it's about implementation and we're really like at a precipice here to see is this going to be used for good or evil because it you know because you are using it as an opportunity to profit and So and, a nuclear bomb or nuclear fission to power right. the world. Right. Happens all the time. It's not Which the first time. But we're on that time. precipice all the time. It's not it's not the first time, right? right. Right. The wheel can move the wheelbarrow or run you over. Right. Right. It goes back to then. Right. So it depends how you want to look at that. And that expense, I think, comes with every bit of innovation right. that ever is really a major needle mover mm -hmm. um, in the human race in general. Right. So we'll see. Right. But, but again, because this is a careers conversation, you know, I, I just wanted to paint some of those pictures um, as you look at career shifts, pivots or creation. Um, in our world, I've got really high-end critical care nurses, ICU nurses moving out of nursing, out of healthcare uh, in the hospital because they're just tired of it or the bureaucracy. Uh, and they now are migrating over to medical device companies mm -hmm. and becoming these Sherpas who've spent careers in those critical care settings or, or in those cath labs bring tremendous insight and value to the product development people. Right. And doctors who want to get back to performing medicine and saving lives, not filling out insurance papers, right, right. are or now moving over to medical device right. and, and, and saying, this is what I see, or put that device in my hand, let me test it out for you. So, and then people who are coming from Facebook now, we see this in the Bay Area. So all you programmers that after a while, it sounded cool to be on Facebook, you have a choice. You can choose to write code to keep somebody on Facebook for 34 more seconds before they leave. Uh, and make uh, Zuckerberg and his people billionaires again, or you can write code and software for predictive analytics to potentially save your mother, your sister, your uncles, or your yet newborn's life. So those are the cool things that are happening on tech right now.
Yeah, it was really moving to me. We we uh, were on site at Petrera. We've been there a couple of times now. They're just such a great client to work with. Uh, we're shooting a video and we're interviewing someone. I won't say their name right now, but uh, we're interviewing one of their employees. And he shares with us that his grandparent actually died from something that could have easily been prevented by the Accuran system specifically. And here you're seeing in building a direct point of contact where this predictive analytics, predictive health would have saved the life of a family member of somebody now building it. I mean, that's really kind of the full circle meaning that we're talking about here. And that's a career choice that this person has made. And and this person's an incredibly competent and, and I think coveted young man in the industry. And here he is at Potrero putting in his time because I think it, there's meaning for him. So I think that that uh, predictive analytics can go a lot of ways. And I, I think you can find ways to incorporate it in a meaningless way. But I think healthcare is a, a really wonderful potential to find meaning in predictive analytics and use it for for the white knight kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. And 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 to this point, for all of you in the consumer products industry, so earlier in the in the show we talked about Fitbit and we talked about uh, Apple and Garmin and and all that. Probably for one of the first times in history, um, tech is flowing backwards to med tech. Historically, um, med tech has flowed towards consumer, you know, whether it was the thermometer or uh, any of the other devices that you used to be able to get in the hospital, now you can bring home. Now what's happening is the, the advent and the nexus of us being super interested as a society right now, we don't mind sharing personal information, right? We've, we've been trained to do that mm -hmm. on social platforms. And that is what's empowered the ability to capture these incredibly large data sets and for people to peek behind how our heart beats, what the respiration rate is, what our uh, sort of lung volume is, all these things that are on consumer devices as we ride our bikes or walk, um, now we're making their way into the medical industry. And again, directly to save lives, but really to upgrade healthy people. And that's really important to understand as you are graduating from college or just a few years out, Clearly, I'm biased, but what do you want to do to make a difference in this world? Mm -hmm. And if you're a cyclist, as an example, again, on a Garmin, cool, you know, you're helping some guy with his heart rate on his race for Ironman, but would it be interesting for you to explore and take those skills? Because right now, that high tech, med tech industry is just running towards that market. Mm -hmm. And I think actually, I was surprised when I was researching this how many ways predictive analytics are being incorporated in, in fields you wouldn't think of. So you might already be in your position, and I, I would encourage you to, to research opportunities to incorporate predictive analytics into the, the position and the career you already have. I think that whoever your manager is, whoever is above you will be super appreciative. I was reading that in, in the HR department, people use predictive analytics to see, okay, well, this person, he's been here for five years, and he's never changed roles, never changed departments. He's been a steady employee, no, no flight risk, right? Well, if you look at his resume, he's had six jobs that he's stayed at for less than four years, and he's enrolled in training courses to learn new skills. So through predictive analytics, you can determine actually this person's a flight risk. So what do you do? You in the HR department can either suggest more coaching for this person so they feel more valuable, maybe giving them more responsibility so they feel more needed, or you can start considering maybe we look for other opportunities for other people 
in within the department or outside to replace him if that's the case. So I think you could go to your your boss right now and say, I think we could greatly improve our department in HR, in food services, in marketing, in retail, in everything if we start incorporating predictive analytics. So whether or not you studied it, whether or not you pursued that as a career, I think it's it's not that hard to just try to implement it in the career you already have. Yeah. And and that's exactly right. And we used to call it intuition, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it still is intuition, but now it's scale with more data. Right. The way you want to look at predictive analytics is um, historically what happened. So describe what happened in the past. That's your data set. Then you want to look at why did it happen? And that helps you establish the data that's important to look at in the past because not all data is valuable. More, more certain data is more valuable. Then you want to look at predictive analytics, which is what will happen. So if this happened in the past and we know that, then this will happen in the future. And then the real meaningful part is how can we either make it happen or not make it happen? And then what do we put in place? So we want to look at past and then collect the proper data on what happened in the past, analyze it to predict what's going to happen in the future, and then put an action in place that will either amplify or cut off the ability for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I think that can happen HR. That can happen in pizza making. uh, That can happen in anything. In fraud detection? Well, that's what what FICA scores are. Really, FICA is predicting what you're likely to default on in the future based on past behaviors. Your credit score is totally based upon that. It's been used in banking forever. And that's insurance premiums. You know, an 18-year-old male living in Miami has got a higher insurance rate than an 18-year-old male living in Open Zipper, Iowa, just because of their surrounding and based Open Zipper, Iowa. Yeah, that's a place. Look it up on the map. (laughs) But yeah, those are all predictive analytics that have been used for decades. But, you know, predictions without changing the future, in my opinion, aren't very useful. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, I mean, so I think that it's twofold. There's ones that that uh, see anomalies in patterns and correct the anomalies based on past behavior. But I think you're right. There's a there's a way to use this also as a sort of uh, sorcerer's stone in, in looking into the future and 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 seeing ways to improve based on past behaviors. So I think actually Petrero is doing both. Yeah, they're correcting on a one on one basis for that patient, but also gathering data for a larger corrective measure for well, healthcare. But, but both go hand in hand. The more right. data you get, the more personalized you can make right. the therapy and the medicine. And hence the reason why we're collecting millions of data points on the cardiac function of human beings right now is because we want to predict, um, if you have all that data, the outcome, and then we can personalize it. We, you can start to parse it down and say, 40-year-old male, uh, 20 pounds overweight, uh, this um, genetic disposition. So if I get your 23 and me. And I get your Apple heart rate, right? And your BMI, right? and, and 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 I get your blood. Um, those are three major data sets that will give me a high prediction of where you're going to be in the future. And then for all the people struggling with healthcare right now, and those premiums, I think it arguably drops it down dramatically. But it's always giving information in order to get the value, and that's what I think as a society we're prepped to do now anyway, because we're sharing everything else online. Yeah. So. So, you know, predictive analytics, um, again, captures large data sets while somebody's doing something. So you can pull salient data out later and and decide why something happened, 
how then I can predict it happening in the future, and then what I can do against it. Um, and it's super interesting because then you can start to look at, and this scares people, it doesn't scare me, um, behavior modification, right? So my wife, Lynn, has this, uh, I think it's an Apple Watch or some kind of Fitbit watch, and it tells her how many steps to take a day. And so on Sunday, I was like, dude, I'm tired. She's like, no, no, we have to go for a walk. Look, 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 look at my Fitbit. I've got to get 1,500 more steps in. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, I wonder what that does is all these algorithms that drive towards something like predictive analytics start to modify our behavior on, on doing something or not doing something. When do we lose control over that? I mean, actually, that's the number one reason why I've even considered buying a Fitbit is I think that... Uh, I think there's just two different kinds of people, right? There's people who want to optimize themselves. And then there's those people who would rather not think about it. Or as my brother puts it, there's those of us who like to linger in the shade. And then there's those of us who like to stare into the blazing hot sun until our retinas burn. And I think I'm definitely in that latter category, actually, unfortunately. Um, and I think if you have a predisposition to want to improve yourself, this kind of incentivizer is welcomed. And I think if you don't, then don't waste $200 buying these things. You know, I think it, it, it's it's an easy fix, I think. And that's the limit of predictive health, for sure. I mean, so you find out you have a predisposition for cardiac arrest and you get all these uh, uh, data sets to, to predict when you might have that cardiac arrest. And one of them is you're eating too much red meat and the doctor's like, cut it out. And you don't. Well, that's not the fault of predictive analytics. That's because you're an asshole, kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it really, you cannot blame the data. That's the one thing about data. It's pretty objective. You cannot yeah, blame but let it. Me, let me jump on that for a second. Sure. Let, let's go to a dating site. This is, this is where it gets really interesting. So we all have a type. Sure. Right? We all have a type. And whether it's ended up in four divorces or not, it's still our type. Mm -hmm. But then we go to uh, date.com and mm -hmm. we fill out this really long survey you know, sports, disposition, morning, night person, whatever. I've never filled one out, but I'm guessing that's what it is. And then what it does is it takes all that data and crunches it up and gives me a prediction on the ideal person mm -hmm. or type of person that I would want. And it spits that person out to me. And now let's call that person person A, right? The one that the predictive analytics tells me this is the one mm -hmm. based on the data you gave us. And then... I put that next to person number two, which is what my heart, mm -hmm. right? Literal and figuratively, I was like, oh, but you make my heart skip. But I know B is a heart skip or train wreck, mm -hmm. right? right? Right. So that struggle is going to go on also per your red meat and predictive analytics. The data is going to tell me one thing. And my mind, which is heart for us to even understand and define and my heart, which outside the physical is hard to define and understand mm -hmm. forces me another way. Yeah. Now I struggle. I struggle with what data told me to do or do I struggle with what my intuition told me to do? And when they're not the same thing, you know, then that battle comes up. How, how do you manage that? I mean, I think that the case study has already been made by my generation. I think first of all, the algorithm does not spit out one person. The algorithm spits out a type. Three hundred people. <laughs> I've never been on, so yeah. I haven't oh, swiped boy, left have or I. swiped right or whatever it is. Um, I am an expert. I'm getting my PhD in in online dating. Although I don't do it anymore, but uh, I did it a lot in the Bay Area. Um, it's like the only way to meet anyone there. Anyway, the point is, uh, I once went on two dates in one day, 
I once went on five dates in one week, you know, like that's, that's pretty regular. And, and that's the whole point of it is that, is that here are lots of people who, but it's modifying your behavior. See, that's my point is, is, is when is it, when is it a line and when is it not a line? In other words, you would have never won five dates in one week unless the computer told you to. Well, it gave me options. It gave me options. And but then it still told you and influenced your behavior. Well, I could have not gone on those dates. I mean, but you I, did because you looked at the computer output. Right, because I'm the person who stares into the sun because I am a person who's constantly looking for uh, personal improvement. So I'm thinking, okay, I know what I'm looking for and this is just helping me weed through the millions of people surrounding me to, you know, 40. You know, they said, they suggested 300. Most of them are trolls. Here are 40 that I think I would not be repulsed by if we went to dinner together and of those 40 there's five i think are actually interesting but what if your best friend i'm gonna go back for a second what if your best friend mm -hmm. was like i got these five guys yeah that i want you to date this week and you're like but how do you know them? no i just know them and i know you and i think you should go on a date with all five would you have still realistically friends here would you have still gone on that those five dates if somebody would have made that decision for you on somebody who knows you 100%. Okay, that's fair. 100%. Cuz that's that's data analytics because they've collected data on me for years. But their data is biased where although whoever writes the algorithm yeah. could bias it, but You're asking me questions. Those questions are biased. All things, you know, the answers are biased. They're not they don't reflect the infinite perspective that right, could Right, but they're less exist. biased than somebody else because it's uh, that's the good thing about data analytics is it doesn't have a bias to it other than the algorithm always serves the writer of it, but you're hoping that, right? Cause that's what algorithms do. It's all it is, 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 is described to us as a recipe and whoever wrote the recipe is biasing it, but it's going to have less bias than somebody else's opinion and perspective of you. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess in the example of the dating app, it, 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 it might be behavior modification, but I think it's a positive one. But what it did is it gave me an opportunity to acquire my own data, to make my own predictive analytics, mm -hmm. you know, like on paper, these guys are all great, but I know me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. And so it, it just gives you options. It's not any different from the stake and the cardiac arrest. Like it's just giving you the opportunity in a lot of ways to really explore you to the fullest for better or for worse. All right. Well, I'll deal with that. Well, there's your basic 101. And for all the scientists out there that are going to call in or write um, comments on this, that we got predictive analytics not quite correct. I know that. Mm -hmm. But I think we gave from a layperson perspective things to think about. Yeah, things to be less afraid of and opportunities to look forward to. I also will say that if you don't think we're experts, next week we do have an expert on the podcast. So please tune in for Rajan Patel. Senior director at Google. Uh, been there for at least 10 plus years. And he is the one, I think that had spearheaded the prediction of the flu. And I mean, it's been all white papers written about it, scientific papers mm -hmm. using predictive analytics. So check out Rajan's- Through Google searches. Through Google searches, Which yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, so yeah, that was pretty cool. We won't let it out of the bag how it happened. He'll talk about it next week. Right. Yeah. But yeah, tune in for that. And if you want to hear about Potrero, go back to last week's episode. And otherwise, I hope you enjoyed listening to another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings and have a fantastic day. Thank you.